You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. on these guys. They're praying for them. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they're sending them forth. The apostle basically means sent out. Apostolos, sent out. These men were humble servants of God. They were chosen by God. These men would ease the burdens of the apostles and doing the work that was necessary for the distribution of food. They would wait tables. They would do the menial tasks. Not that the apostles were above doing the menial tasks. Trust me. They were not above doing the menial task. And if you're above doing a menial task, the ministry is not for you. God uses all of us in many different ways. One day, He may require you to stand up and preach His gospel, while the next, He may ask you to stack chairs and vacuum floors in service to His church. As Pastor Dave points out in today's message, to follow Christ requires humility and a willingness to do whatever He may expect of you. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 6 as he continues his message, The Man God Uses. You are The apostles are saying, men and brethren, you guys, you spiritual guys out there, you find some men. These are the qualifications that we're looking for. You find them, bring them to us. Seven men, full of good reputation, the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. This was the task that they said. Go find these men. Go find them among you. Who were these men looking for? Who were these men looking for? Well, if you've been with us for several weeks, I can tell you who they're looking for. They're looking for ambassadors, for one thing. They're looking for ambassadors for Christ. They're looking for people who speak on his behalf, not their own behalf. People who speak about Christ. They're looking for men who are not sitting on the fence. They're not looking for the lukewarm Christian. They're looking for the one who's really on fire for the Lord and really wants to serve the Lord. They're looking for the fanatic. They're looking for the fanatic for Christ. That's who they're looking for. One who will go all out, has a zeal to serve Christ. That's who they're looking for. They're looking for men who have good testimony in the church and in the secular realm too. It says they're looking for men full of the Holy Spirit. The apostles knew that those who serve the Lord and those who are people of God must be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to be empowered to do any ministry whatsoever. They wanted everyone, they wanted people who experienced the same thing they felt. The empowerment by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they had power to do ministry. This is what they want the other people to have because they know what it looks like. They know what it feels like. They know that you're ready for ministry when you have the Holy Spirit. They knew that in their midst, there were believing saints, dear, sweet, wonderful saints in their midst. They loved Jesus, but they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. They were lacking power. They weren't equipped to do God's word because they didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. I have to ask, am I describing you today? Am I describing you today? You want to serve the Lord, but you just can't? Maybe you're lacking the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're lacking the power that the Holy Spirit gives when he comes upon you to give you that transformation into ministry, into service for him. We're not talking about salvation here. I'm not talking about salvation. We'll touch that in a minute. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about people who believe in Christ, who want to serve the Lord, but you're lacking power. Please, 
if this speaks to you, if you're one of these people, do not leave this church today without praying to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That He would give you the power necessary, the dunamis power necessary to serve Him. You can't do without you. Not only can you not serve the Lord without this dunamis power, but the Scripture says you can't even live a Christian life without this power. You can't even be a Christian without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need this power. Don't leave without it, please. Please. The apostles were looking for men of good reputation. They were looking for men full of the Holy Spirit. They were looking for men full of wisdom. Wisdom of what? I said last week, that our last uh, service, that they're not looking for intelligent people, pi r square. In my house, cherry pie r round. Got a better laugh this time. They're not looking for head knowledge. They're not looking for people with all this head knowledge. They're looking for knowledge of the Scriptures, application knowledge. It's one thing to have this great head knowledge of the Scriptures, and to be, quote, all this stuff back and forth. Now, I wish I had that sometimes. But it's the application. How are you applying the Scriptures that you know? How are you applying the Scriptures that you've learned in your life? That's what they're looking for. And this translates to wisdom. This translates to wisdom. This is what they're looking for. They're looking for a person who's serious about the Scriptures, who wants the Scriptures to be their life, to be in their heart, to be in their mind, to consume them. This isn't to be taken lightly. It's to be taken with all diligence and with all steadfastness. It says, study to show yourself approved of God. You know, it's very interesting here. There are two words here used in the Greek. In verse 1, the word for distributions is dikonos in the Greek. The word for serve in verse 2 is deacononio. This is where we get the English word deacon. This is where we get the English word deacon. Here you have the first deacons of the church. The first deacons, the ones, the worker bees, they go out and do the work of the ministry. Why? So that the leadership has time to study the word of God in prayer. Deacons. We look at verse 5 and 6. This saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Everyone agreed with the apostles, and what we see here, once again, you have the church in one accord. The church is now unified again. They all agreed. This is a very good solution. This is, must be what God wants us to do. We need to select these men. Here are the men we've chosen. Here, apostles, you look at them. Now you lay your hands on them, which is a sign of sending them out. They get their hands laid on, they get prayed for, and they're sent out. Sent out into the ministry. Happened to me when I came down here from Vineland. When I was ordained, they laid hands on me. They ordained me, and they sent me out into the ministry. That's what they're doing here. They're laying hands on these guys. They're praying for them. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they're sending them forth. The apostle basically means sent out. Apostolos, sent out. These men were humble servants of God. They were chosen by God. These men would ease the burdens of the apostles and doing the work that was necessary for the distribution of food. They would wait tables. They would do the menial tasks. Not that the apostles were above doing the menial tasks. Trust me. They were not above doing the menial task. And if you're above doing a menial task, the ministry is not for you. The apostles were not above doing the menial task, but they knew that God had called them to teach the word, to pray, and to preach the word. And they needed, they needed to be prepared. The work was too much. They were getting help. They were getting help. They would wait tables. The apostles would study the word of God and would pray. 
His ministries were extremely important to the new church, as the ministry of deacons is important to this church. We need workers. We need people who are full of the Holy Spirit, who want to work for the Lord. And it's interesting, interesting, that Stephen was one of these men. He's listed as full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. We also will see in verse 8 that he's full of power. In the Scriptures, to be full of means to be controlled by. Stephen was controlled by the Holy Spirit. He was controlled by his faith. He was controlled by wisdom and power. In the coming weeks, we're going to read a lot about Stephen. We're going to read an awful lot about him as we come into that area. We're going to see that Stephen, who was yielded to the Holy Spirit, who is a man who wants to lead others to Christ. He's a man who wants to teach others about Jesus Christ, and he pays the ultimate price for that. Stephen becomes the first martyr of the church. So they chose these seven. What are the results of this choice? What were the results of this choice? What happened? Well, in verse 7, we see that the Lord continued to increase the church. Then the word of the God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests who were obedient to the faith. Here we see the church unified, as I said, in verse 5. The church is magnified in verse 7, and it will be continued to be magnified through the work of Stephen. Ironically, or not ironically, Verse 7 is basically the end or the climax of the witness of the church and the ministry in Jerusalem. Because when Stephen comes on, Stephen is martyred and the great persecution starts and God spreads the people out. The persecution spreads and scatters the apostles. Fear not. Didn't Jesus say, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost portions of the world? Well, the witness in Jerusalem is done. Everybody in Jerusalem has heard the word. Everybody in Jerusalem. In fact, a great many priests. Now, these are the same guys that Peter was witnessing to. This is the Sanhedrin guys, these priests. So see what happens? You don't have to get upset when somebody doesn't receive the word right away. You go home and you pray for that person. The word of God is a seed. It gets planted and boom, next thing you know, they're saved. Well, this is what happened to these priests. They were coming into the faith. They had heard the word of God twice. They had heard the gospel message two times, and their hearts were finally quickened. They're finally quickened. God's plan is being fulfilled. Many, it says, a great many priests were coming in. Isn't it God's plan that all would come to the knowledge? Priests too? Yeah, priests too. God's plan is that all men, all women would come to the knowledge of Jesus. All would come to repentance and be saved. That's God's perfect plan. So, What are the characteristics of the man that God uses, or woman? It's interesting enough that Chuck Smith from Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, wrote a book entitled The Very Same Thing, The Man That God Uses. And he gave 14 characteristics of a man or woman that God uses. Now, I'm going to read through this list, and I want you to see what ones we covered today and what ones might be lacking or what ones you might have in your life. The man of God uses is a man of full faith. He gives all glory to God not taking any credit for himself. This is very important. We don't want to be prideful. We don't want to be selfish. We don't want to stand up here and proclaim me. I only want to stand up here and proclaim Jesus to you. I only want you to see Jesus. Man of God gives glory to God. The man of God is a student of God's word. He faithfully studies the scriptures to show himself approved, correctly dividing it. The man of God expects to suffer persecution. He knows the fellowship of Christ through suffering, and in the suffering, he gives glory to God. The man of God is spirit-filled, and he's spirit-led. He's obviously born again, and he has accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for the atonement of sins, and he's made peace with God through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
The man of God has a boldness that has been given to him from the Holy Spirit. He has a boldness to speak out God's word. The man of God has submitted all things to God. He's laid everything at the feet of God. He's laid everything, and not my will, but your will be done. The man of God is uncompromising. You know what that means. Can't change his mind, won't change the subject. There's no compromise in the, word of, in the, in, in the man of God. Compromise is not on his agenda. The man of God The man that God uses is obedient to God's word. He obeys God's command. He's a good steward of what God has given to him. He's a faithful servant. He's faithful in the little things. The Lord said, if you're faithful in the little things, I'll make you faithful in many. I'll make you, if you're ruler over many. You know, God is looking for men and women to serve him. He's looking for those who have a heart towards him. And we can go all the way back to the Old Testament, all the way back to 2 Chronicles 16.9, a scripture that we've read here many, many times. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God is looking for someone today. Are you that person? Are you the person that God is looking for today? Is God tapping you on the shoulder and say, I need you. I want you to be my servant. Well, you might be thinking, well, God could never use me. <laughs> you don't know my life, Dave. God could never use me. The next time that you hear Satan say in your ear that God can't use you, let me tell you some things about our wonderful, loving, wonderful saints of the Bible. Scripture says that Noah had a drinking problem and was caught drunk by his sons. Abraham was considered too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. They said Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy, yeah, they're too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt, lost everything he had. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ, not once, but three times. The disciples fell asleep when they were supposed to be praying. And Martha, she worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced not once, but several times. Zacchaeus, too small. Paul, too religious. Timothy, he had an ulcer, needed to drink some wine for his stomach. And Lazarus, he was dead. God can't use you? God cannot use you? I beg to differ with you. He's looking for a heart that is towards him. That's the prerequisite here. A heart that is towards him. A heart that is toward him. So the question remains, well, then who can be used by God? And how do we know? Well, whoever is usable and available. You know, availability is huge. Being available to God. I've had people come to me and go, Dave, I want to serve in the church. I want to serve in the church. Great. And then they never show up. You have to be available to be in ministry. You have to be around. It's great to, to be available. God wants to use you. You need to be available to him. I'm ready. And when he calls you, well, wait a minute, I, I need to take care of this. No, no, no. Are you available when God calls? You need to believe when God makes a promise to you. You need to believe it, that it's true. All the promises in the Bibles are what? Yes and amen. And we have these promises that we can take. God makes promises. You need to be surrendered to God's will. Like the example, Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you with power. That's what I said. Don't leave home. Don't leave anywhere without the Holy Spirit in your life. If he's not there today, what a better time. Will never happen. Get the Holy Spirit today. 
So what are the preparations that I have to take? What do I have to do? Jesus declared quite simply what we must do to follow him. In Luke 9, verses 23 to 26, he says, Then he said to them, speaking to his disciples, and this is important, we'll get to it in a minute. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For whoever is ashamed of me in my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and his fathers and the holy angels. I must die. I must die to self. Selfishness in me has to go. I can't be selfish about anything. I can't want what Dave wants. I need to want what the Lord wants. I need to be divested of myself. Rid myself of me. John the Baptist, although he ate bugs, said some pretty cool things. And one of the neatest things he said, he said, I must decrease. Christ must increase. What a wonderful, wonderful testimony of how our hearts should be. Decreasing so that Christ can increase. Decreasing so that Christ can be lifted up. Because when you're speaking Christ, when you're talking the gospel message into somebody's lives, you don't want them to see you and your frailties and your faults. You want them to see Christ. Holy, righteous, a God who loves them, a God who died for them. We need to step out of the way and let Christ do the work. The wisdom of this world, you have to reject it. I'm no longer of this world, although I am in it. I'm not of it. It's not my home. I'm a sojourner. I'm just passing through. We need to act like it, that we're passing through. We need to surrender myself, my dreams, my wants, even my needs. I need to surrender them to God. Why? Because my God will supply all my riches through Christ Jesus. He will supply them. He's the one that gives them to me. Don't you see this decreasing thing? It's not right. The world doesn't agree with this. The world thinks we're wacko. The world thinks we're crazy. And Jesus is talking to disciples. This has absolutely nothing to do with salvation. Nothing to do with salvation. You remember when we started the book of Philippians? One of the things I said, we were talking about Philippians when it comes to being a disciple of Christ. And we said that all disciples are believers, but not all believers are disciples. And I believe that with all my heart. Because you can love Jesus Christ, you can be born again, go into heaven, no questions asked, and not be his disciple but I think there's going to be something miserable about you. I think there's going to be something inside you that you feel like you're lacking. Christ wants us all to be his disciples. He wants us all to come and be his disciples. Follow me. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. And what does that mean? It means we need to identify with Jesus Christ and his suffering. Our crosses are suffering for Christ. Our crosses are daily walk with him. Too many of us are satisfied just to be listeners. We get glutted on the word of God. We don't know what to do with it. We are not doers of the word, we're listeners. I've been standing up here for a year, for a year, asking for help in our children's ministry. It's time for people to say, yes, I want what the Lord wants for me. Is he tapping on your, on your shoulder and saying, I want you? I feel like I need a poster of Jesus up here in an Uncle Sam hat going like this. We need you. This church can't run on one person. It can't run on two people. We need the body of Christ, to act like the body of Christ, for the thumb to be a thumb and the toe to be a toe, and all of it works together in conjunction, and Christ is glorified. Christ is glorified, and people are saved. God's calling you. When we say no to ourselves, and we pick up that gnarly cross, and we're identified with Christ by surrendering and suffering, and we sacrifice our lives daily, God is glorified. And we become his disciple, and he looks at it and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. 
This is very foolish to the world. But it's wisdom to us. It's wisdom. To save your life is to lose it. How do I get it back again? But to give your life to Christ is to save it and have fullness. I give it up completely. My will. I give it up freely. Just as he gave his life up freely for me. Freely for me. Discipleship is a daily discipline. We follow Christ one step at a time. One day at a time. I told this story first service. There was a time in my life when I was so, so despair, in such despair for some reason. I don't even remember what it was. I was in such despair that I was lying in my bed or in my prayer closet and we had a digital clock and I was sitting there and I watched the clock and I looked and I said, Lord, I can only trust in you right now at 8.58. Lord, please, right now, 8.58, I trust in you, I worship you and I praise you as my God. Click. Lord, I can only trust in you at 8.59. I trust in you, I praise you, I worship. And then the minutes turned into hours and the hours turned into days and the days turned into weeks and I learned to trust him on a minute to minute level. I trust him right now at 11.24. I trust him right now for what his provisions are for me right now. I can't do anything about what will happen at 11.23. 11.23 is gone. I can't do anything about that. If I sin, I'm sorry, Lord. I repent of it and move forward. And I trust him day to day. It's a daily walk. It's a daily walk with the Lord. And he's chosen you to fellowship with him. He's created you to fellowship with you. Are you the person God wants to use? Are you this type of person? Has the Lord been tapping you on your shoulder and said, come on, get busy. Pull up those bootstraps and tighten them tight. We've got a lot of work to do. This is going to be fun. I used to have a biology teacher a long time ago when I was in high school. He used to always say, when he went to a special point, he used to say, now hold on tight, we're going around a corner. I feel like that's what the Lord's saying to us today. Hold on tight because we're going around a corner. He's saying, let's go, man. Let's, he's time, he's ready. Trust me, folks. The age of grace is closing. All you have to do is pick up and read a newspaper about what happened in the state of New York over the weekend. The age of grace is closing, folks. That means there will come a time it's done. Christ will come for his church. Christ will come and take us home. Praise God. We will be with him. We will sing holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. We will cast our crowns down before him. Praise God. I don't want to be up there and be lonely because this person's out there or that person's out there. I don't want to be up there. I want to be up there and see whoever I can get in there to go. It's time, folks. It's time. It's past time. The age of grace slowly closing the doors. You can see it. You can look at the Scriptures. It's happening. Don't be ashamed of Christ. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God to salvation for all who would believe. Don't be ashamed. Be the person that God came to die for. Be the person that God has chosen you to be. Stand up. Be that person today. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be what God has called you to be. Don't leave home. Don't leave this church without the Holy Spirit. Know that He's available. Know that God wants this out of you. He wants you to be His disciples into a newness of life like you've never experienced before in your life. A wonderful time. You are Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage all our listeners to spend time daily in the Bible, learning from the timeless text that your Creator has given you. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Dave's teachings from this series in Acts or explore messages from other books of the Bible, you can do so by visiting AssureHopeRadio.com. 
You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, we'd be happy to send you one. Just give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope. But we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of the body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique, God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship and Bible study, and childcare is available. We're excited to have you join us. For more information and to get directions, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. That brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to Pastor Dave's study in the book of Acts today. And we hope you'll join us again right here on A Sure Hope.